0: You are listening to the us.net podcast network. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. This is the worst vampire show I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, are they even vampires? Nobody sucks any blood nobody's got shark pointy fangs no one um, turns into a bat or like melts at the sight of sunlight I mean I was really misled I'm sorry by the to title up
1: to your vampire Diaries esque fantasies Marco look
0: <laughs> Irma vep is in the title it is an anagram for vampire I know what that means I expect to see some goddamn <laughs> vampires but do I get any no no vampires whatsoever but, you know, not everything has to be taken literally, and this is certainly not a show that you should take completely literally. Uh This is the latest from uh, noted uh French director Olivier Assayas doing a kind of remake slash reboot slash reinvention of his 1996 film Irma Vep of the same title, which was itself a meta remake of the original 1915 silent classic Les Vampires. Wow, this is an interesting one and I can't wait to hear these fine folks talk about it. I am joined today by Bradley. Hello, hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) and Frank.
1: Marco, you know, I feel bad that you didn't get to see actually any vampire's that you wanted to see. So I'm going to go over to your place um, after this, and we're going to watch the giant depth Michelle Pfeiffer, Tim Burton version of Dark Shadows.
0: Oof. Don't threaten me with a good time, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us is Sarah Jane.
2: Bonjour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, a- as I stated earlier, Irma Vep was this little gem of an art house film from the late 90s about a filmmaker trying to remake a 1915 classic. And... Wow, it gets so meta. So you would think, how could you improve upon this? And apparently the answer is to make an eight-hour version of that movie <laughs> and expand upon its themes exponentially. Guys, before we get into the meat of this review, who here has seen the original Irma Vep?
2: I've seen pieces of it.
1: I'm a, I'm a later in life fan of Olivier Sias, Um which is the reason I signed on to this. I have not, so I've, I've reviewed his last two films but I've seen his last three. Um, I have not gone back. That's yet to come. It's still to come. In Terms of exploring his filmography because he just works a lot. And he keeps on making movies. So yeah. Now is it safe to say I've seen
3: quite a bit of it because I've seen this and this has it in it. No, he's talking about the. He's yes.
1: talking about the well, he's talking <laughs> about the 1996 version, Bradley. Is the
3: 1996 version not in this one? No, no I
0: thought he was. No, talking that's about- exactly what Bradley said. Yeah. You are going to see. A lot of clips, not only from the original 1915 version, but also Asaeus' 1996 version, which features Maggie Chung. Except here, she's not Maggie Chung. She's supposed to be another actress who is played by someone else who is not Maggie Chung, who was playing herself in that movie, who also (laughs) married Asaeus, who is now directing a movie about a director who's (laughs) very much like himself, who is also remaking his own remake of Le Vampire and Irma Vep, and also falling in love with his leading lady. Yeah, this movie goes up its own uh, metaphorical (laughs) rabbit hole quite a lot. It's
1: not a film. It's a series.
0: It's a long movie in eight parts. (laughs) And that's exactly the kind of conversation that Asaeus is interested in having. Almost every scene is basically an excuse for people to sit around and wax poetic about the nature of cinema and the state of the film industry. You know, this stars Alicia Vikander in this particular version. She's played Mira Harburg. Her own name, Mira, is an anagram of Irma. So again, all the metafictional games keep happening here. She's a Hollywood actress who's very popular. She's a big star. And she has gone to France to kind of get out of this rut of making basically Marvel movies. They don't really call them that. But she's obviously making blockbusters. And she wants to do an art house film. She agrees the, to the assignment because it's directed by a guy named Rene Vidal, who's supposed to be this, you know, not unlike Asayus himself, a highly regarded independent uh, art house filmmaker. And he's going kind <laughs> of insane,
1: yeah, just a tad. <laughs> I really found the all the metaf- met, uh, metaphysical stuff, the meta commentary tiresome after a while because I generally do, anyways. That's always feels like someone trying to be clever, trying to be sort of, um, uh, you know, look what I did with this narrative. That just never comes off as uh, fresh or involving to me as much as the interrelationships between uh, the characters. And I think Asaias is really good at that. I I loved exploring who all these characters are. And uh, even though you are quite well aware of everyone's status, I love how at certain points all of those statuses are sort of stripped away and it really becomes just about it becomes a character piece in a lot of ways. And I love hearing them talk and the most interesting conversations are not when they're talking about what project um, they've got coming up or what, what kind of costume this should be or what kind of take is, you know, the next take should be. Uh, It really is about, you know, these odd characters who are in this world where, you know, nothing is natural because nothing is natural on the film set whatsoever. And seeing how they relate to each other in that world, um, Asias always really he gets that so right.
2: I really liked it. Like I studied film history, uh, television production, and uh, I studied to be a script supervisor. So I really just love things that talk about the filmmaking process. So for me, that was my favorite part of this: is just watching everything that goes into making a movie. Um, I have seen cl- a lot of clips but I haven't seen the entire series of, of the original. Um, I have not seen Asaias's, uh 96 version of this, but I am going to visit it now after watching this. So that was my favorite part for me. What goes into making a film?
3: Now, I think this can work for people who are afraid right now, hearing all these, you know, meta-commentary, the metaphysical. Do you give your heart to a character or just the character... Give its heart to you. I mean, three episodes in, I'm the guy going, oh, hey, Irma Vep's an anagram for vampire. I feel smart. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the way Alicia Vikander plays this actress... And this human being, I feel like you have to say it talking about this movie, this human being. That's code for Bradley thinking this is not a real person. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'd say she is. In episode one, we find out that she was kind of in love with a groupie, though her and this groupie clearly have incredible sexual chemistry with each other. One doesn't know that the other wishes that they suffered greatly for how they were treated in the past, even though that kind of has nothing to do with film and how important it is, at least not to me. Uh, Maybe my shallow mind missed that. I was intrigued by that relationship.
2: She wasn't her groupie. She was her assistant. Right. Which
1: is really interesting. Has anybody on this call seen uh, Clouds of Sils Maria? Mm -mm. No. That, That was the film from 2015 that he made. With uh, Julia Pinoche and Kristen Stewart about a very close relationship between a celebrated actress and her personal assistant and um, the way that the lines blurred there. So when he introduced that element here, I thought, oh, okay, this is gonna be something great. And it was for that one episode. Because it just fizzles out, doesn't it, unfortunately? It does, kind of.
0: Well, she does return.
1: But it's not explored.
0: The Vikander character, uh, Asmira Harburg, she has a very, very complicated love life. In the original film, Maggie Chung, playing herself, is kind of being hit on by the costume designer, a plot element that comes over into this version as well. But that's about it. Here, we find out this version, this actress playing Irma Vep, Not only, you know, had a a passionate romance with her ex-assistant, that assistant then went off and married her ex-husband, which she had married after her relationship with another leading actor, blew apart. You know, she's got the lesbian costume designer trying to hit on her, as well as, you know, having some kind of romantic longings towards her new assistant who doesn't want to go down the same path as the old assistant. There's a lot of soap opera stuff here, and it just seems like it's a few layers too much.
1: She rebuffs the the new assistant, doesn't she, though?
3: Was her new assistant, what was her name? She was fantastic in this also.
1: She was fantastic, I, I don't know, but she shoots down both her and the costume designer, but then at the same time she goes after her she sort of goes after her old boyfriend doesn't she at, at at one point
0: yes she really does
1: so even though she does have some self-awareness she does not have complete self-control and uh she is her worst enemy when it comes to romance
2: she gets him at his most vulnerable moment also i mean she's aware of what yeah, she's doing that's true. well
3: her new <laughs> assistant uh regina uh played by devon ross she has a monologue about the whole situation and it's so mature and adult. And if I was this woman's parent, I'd be like, you are so wise, but also heartbreaking and sad. Never <laughs>
1: tell a 20 something year old that they're wise. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll just run with it. <laughs> but I'm just saying like,
3: it it's, it was wise, but it was still so heartbreaking and sad. Like maybe you can fuck up your life right now just for a year, you know, with this crazy actress, <laughs> no spoilers. Um, Anyways, I love the performances most of all in this, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: I did, too. I think that uh, what helps each of these performances, each of these actors, is that is that the script really doesn't. Uh, I mean, there are some instances with some side characters, but in terms of just the central cast, I really don't feel anybody was villainized or necessarily pitied they were allowed to be organically like themselves and wonderfully gray. Yeah. And this isn't going to be a property for people that categorize characters as likable or unlikable. I always said before, that's, a sh- that's such a shallow and base way to read characters because you wouldn't read real people that way. You wouldn't want anyone to read yourself that way. And I think that Asias, as he always does, creates characters who are very, very much in the middle, who do live in the gray world. And all these characters, for the most part, do. And I really appreciate that. That is always something that gets my attention.
0: This is very heavy on character and theme more so than plot. There is a plot and we're not getting into all of the ins and outs of it, but it is about a production that is kind of going off the rails. The director is getting increasingly erratic, depressed, you know, no longer in love with cinema, no longer confident in his own vision Alicia Vikander's ex-husband, who's this hotshot, you know, blockbuster filmmaker. He's brought in to take over the project. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, one of the uh, supporting actors sort of playing one of the main villains. Wonderful performance by an actor called Lars Eidinger as Gottfried, the German actor, who is mm-hmm. he is louche, he is arrogant, he's addicted to meth, he's a drunk. He's just a lecherous son of a bitch, a good actor, but a constant troublemaker on set. You know, he really does create a lot of comedy, as does Vincent McConaughey playing Rene, the director. He's such a sweet presence, but also just a horrible person to work with.
1: He's off his rocker. He shouldn't be working right now. He's not an awful person to work with, but he's just he just shouldn't be working. He's just too unstable to be working right now. But I like that you mentioned the comedy because this is something that people wouldn't expect to be funny but this is chock full of absurdist humor Uh, when um that one character he's the he's the actor playing the inspector oh
2: i loved him yeah
1: he was the only member of the cast who is a paris native and has his own like little like townhouse and is wondering why he himself is not put up in a five-star hotel and gives like presents this case about why he should be in this five-star hotel with everybody else and i just i just think it's it's, 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 it's so hilarious.
0: No, there's a lot of rich humor here.
2: Vincent Lacoste was the actor that you were talking about who was playing Philippe uh, Guerin. Um, I'm not sure that um, Herman, who was the director that was brought in, I don't think that was Mira's um, ex-husband at all. I think that it was just a guy that uh, her assistant went to marry. I had the impression that they had had a prior relationship.
1: He was a director for that Marvel-type movie. Like, he directed her in that.
0: You know, they're they're all very concerned about being in the same room together, being in the same town together. There's a lot of tension. What think because of Laurie, the assistant.
2: Yeah, it's because of the assistant. It wasn't because of him.
1: Us talking about all this, all these plot elements really, really is highlighting all the soap opera-esque-ness of this more than the show did, I feel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gets cumbersome at times because you're like, okay, we get it. She's She's sort of sexually open and everybody seems attracted to her. And it kind of seems a bit odd because one of the themes in the show is how Rene, the director, is kind of using this material to channel his own particular fetishes and obsessions. But it also opens up conversations about contemporary filmmaking like consent, the Me Too movement, intimacy coordinators, And, you know, whether or not certain scenes that they are recreating from 1915 are too, for lack of a better word, too rapey Mm -hmm. uh, to be shown today. And he's like, no, it's a fantasy. And they don't necessarily answer any of these questions, but they do bring them up.
1: I think that's a smart thing because there's no answer to those questions because it's all to do with context. You know, one side's in favor of it, one side's not. And that's a whole other debate. But I think it was a very, very wise thing for them. To present it because it is very prevalent, but also to not give a, cl- a clear cut like stamp like oh, it's this and this is the way it is.
0: There is something delicious about how this should not even exist—a six-hour <laughs> French silent serial that became a two-hour '90s art house hit and is now recontextualized as a eight-part mini-series on hbo i don't think even he believes he got away with this
1: <laughs> can i can i ask you something marco what do you think worked better because you're the only one that, who has seen the original the 1996 film do you think this format worked better the the expanding of it worked better or do you think it was it was better as a tight two hour or however long it was feature
0: i will almost always prefer a tighter story mm-hmm. here the narrative such as it is you know there's a lot more characters there's a lot more themes there's a lot more topical things to discuss but i have to admit i enjoyed every episode of this season but it did at times feel like a slog i would forget it's like oh there's a new episode this week i forgot it's not that kind of narrative that makes you go i need to queue up the next video right now it's not it is
1: not and i love i love the director but i think he's he re- his realm is features i don't think he's made for the for the multiple episodes format i really don't think that because i i liked it as well but i wasn't compelled by it
0: yeah it is worth exploring but i think rather than you know trying to rehash all of the themes and plots and characters which we can't summarize anyway in a neat package we might as well just start heading towards our final thoughts bradley would you do us the honors please yes
3: thank you (laughs) i mean this is all right i don't smoke so maybe i don't understand a lot of it (laughs) You know I don't hang outside of a bicycle shop. Going one day, I'm going to travel. Like travel where? Down the Road. <laughs> Anyways, really enjoyed the Vikander performance. Uh, I liked all the weird meta stuff, and I loved when they would talk to the dancers and the extras and the people who are actually in the show and go over scenes and mm-hmm. anytime there was dancing at all. Oh my gosh. The control Vikander has over her body. These lines, these motions are incredible. I looked it up after first episode, like, is Vikander a triple threat? She is. Total dancer. Just beautiful. As well as all the dancing in this. Can't again say I really understood what they were going for. There's a lot of uh, metaphysical, was brought up earlier, sequences in the end where I thought, oh yes, I know what's happening. She's embodying the character so much that dreams, reality, action, and inaction are one in a ballet called life. But then something happens in this metaphysical scenario that directly affects real life, and that left me thinking, wait, so that was all for real real, not for play play? And my wife, you know, love her. She's like, "Mm." and I guess we just finished it and thought, okay, um, Birdman it is, but longer. So I'm going to give this one seven out of ten really beautiful necklaces that
0: are a little
3: little gauche, a little gauche.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Brett. Frank?
1: I, I think I'm really closely aligned with you, Marco, in the sense I, I, I do like Asaias as a filmmaker. He's probably one of my favorite um, international filmmakers. Um, love clouds of Sils Maria love personal shopper. Nonfiction had some good points. Lost net network, which is his most recent one with Penelope Cruz um, was a little bit messy, but um, I, I really did enjoy this. I wasn't compelled by it. And I think it really is the format. It, 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 It's tried to, it's being forced into this, you know, like, not edge of your seat, but like, oh, I can't wait till the next episode sort of thing. And it's just not, as presented, it's not that interesting. Um, As a feature film, though, I think I would have been all about this. I think this would have been probably my top 10, um, because I do love the way it shows all these people being their natural selves in one of the most unnatural environments there is you know, on this earth. I do like when he went into the surreal a little bit and showed the way Irma Vep was taking over Mira. Um, Cause there's that line that her assistant tells her, yeah, um, you don't, you know, you don't need to become Irma Vep. Irma Vep needs to become you. And I love the way they sort of illustrate that later on. I like the way they did it, but at the same time, it didn't really offer anything that was that meaningful except for one time. I think the style of this is really great. The way that they interspliced setups before they call action and then cut to either shots from the silent film or, you know, these really, you know, wonderfully made clips, I guess, from the original or from and or from um the film that they were making, the series that they were making. I think the performances here are really great. I think the humor is very specific but it's on point and if this is your kind of humor it will it will register and i also love the behind the scenes filmmaking as a backdrop but i really love it when it's when it's not that glamorous or stylized or romantic it is the assistant trying to find (laughs) heroin for (laughs) for for the leading actor you know it's just it's it's them trying on different costumes it's you know um Mira showing up late not having slept all night from the night before to set the next day. I think this is great, but this is this this really really will only be for the Asaias fan. Um anyone else it they will probably be confused, they probably won't be that into it, but I guess it works for the most part. So I'm going to go ahead and give this 7 out of 10 surprise cameos by Kristen Stewart because her and Asias work really, really well together. They've done two prior films, and she comes in here for um, uh, an extended scene and really does a lot with this with this minor side character that is just very sketchily drawn. And she brings it to life, and it's it's uh, it reinforces my belief that that theirs is a really great one of the one of the great actress director collaborations that I really hope continues. So yeah.
0: Well, thanks for ruining that surprise for everybody, oh, well, Frank. It and nothing to do with the plot. It's no longer a surprise cameo. <laughs> nothing to do with the plot. Okay. Really <laughs> <nothing>. <laughs> That's technically true. Sarah Jane, what are your final thoughts, please?
2: I got to say, and I'm glad that, that Frank actually said that because I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't know if I could. now open the did. door. When that happened in the, I watched the finale like right before we recorded and that, it opens up with her and you can't see her at first when she got out. And I was like, oh my God, that looks like Kristen Stewart. I was just laughing. And then when she gets out of the elevator, I was like, oh my God, that's Kristen Stewart. And I I like yelled it. And my husband's like, what? And I'm like, forget it, forget it. So yeah, that was, that. I really was surprised. So I'm sorry that no one else forgets that. (laughs) I'm not sure I have anything else to say that you guys didn't already cover. I really did like Renee, the director, um, Vincent McCanya. I thought he was really great. And uh, at one point, uh, something happens, and he's not around for a while. And I was just like, oh, man, that can't be the end of him. I hope he comes back. What else do I have here? I, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Akander before this. Um, I hadn't seen her in a lot, so I guess maybe that was I. I wasn't a big of a fan, but she really won me over. I thought she was really great, and yes, she is. She trained as a ballet dancer, and you can really mm. see that. Like Bradley mm-hmm. said, what else was I gonna say? Oh, nobody mentioned the music by Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth. I thought that was. Um, I I thought his score was really great, and then the different music that they threw in here, like you know, Happy Mondays <laughs> and uh, Nena. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, what? Anyway, um, I think I liked it more than you guys. And again, I was really fascinated with the filmmaking aspect. That was my favorite. Um, I probably would have benefited from seeing uh, the 96 film before watching this. But again, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it coming up. So I am going to give this 8 out of 10 bondage coordinators. Everybody
1: needs one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know. I did enjoy this. I think for people who are fans of Assayas, who are fans of, like, indie cinema, who are fans of silent film, of the filmmaking process, and meta commentaries on the filmmaking process, I think this is going to be catnip for that particular crowd. It should be catnip for me. But to be honest, this was a show that I did find hard to get invested in at times. It's not a show that you binge. If they had dropped this all at once... I would have still taken breaks. This isn't a bingeable show where you're like, oh, I have to know what happens next. And that's okay. It's not plot driven, even though there is a plot. This is more heavy on character, on themes, and really is just kind of a celebration, not only of cinema, but kind of a winky nod by a Like, can you believe HBO is letting me <laughs> <Yes>. do this? <laughs> At one point, one of his... uh Primary investor shows up and he says, I I greenlit this project because I want to work with Mira because she's going to be the face of our new product line. So your only job is to make sure that she's happy so that we can move on to the product launch because that's where the real money is. And he's like, I thought you greenlit my film because you thought it had commercial potential. And the investor says, look, Renee, we both knew this was never going to be anything but a niche project for a very limited audience, which seems to be... Asaeus talking about his own project through the voice of this director character that he's created. And that's exactly what this feels like. It feels like I'm getting away with this and I'm going to make this show. And thankfully, no one stopped me yet. But it's also the problem of the dog catching the proverbial car. He's caught it. Now what do you do with it? And I don't think he knew what to do with it over eight hours. This is very similar to the original It's been updated to deal with modern-day concerns, the modern state of cinema, streaming platforms, Me Too, content and algorithms versus art and craft, etc. I prefer those conversations with my friends at a bar rather than hearing them from a lot of other characters for hours on end. Even if you're a fan of Asaeus, you may find your patience tested at times, Even though there's wonderful stuff here, I'm going to give this six and a half out of 10 Chuck Norris gifts. (laughs) Or, as the French might say, Un Gif de (laughs) Chuck Norris.
1: Now, remember, kids, it's not a series, it's a film in eight parts.
0: But it's all content.